We're in this series that we began a few weeks ago, and we're looking at biblical characters, and we are recognizing that these biblical uh, characters we may have grown up hearing about, uh, probably less so these days than when some of us were growing up, um, but uh, we, we may be familiar with their names, we may be familiar with their stories, uh, and in some ways they may be heroes to us. We may look at certain scriptural characters and consider them like heroes to us. And what we need to recognize and what we need to understand is that every single one of them was an ordinary person with an extraordinary, mighty, powerful, and awesome God. Amen? And so God works through people. And so when it comes to asking questions about what God might do in the world today, what remarkable things, we've sung a lot this morning about great things that God has done. When it comes to saying, uh, Lord, what, what, why would you choose me to do great things in your name throughout the pages of scripture the simple answer would be why not every character we admire everybody even uh, since the the closing of canon the closing of scripture and those that we've admired through the ages who've maybe made a, a major impact in revivals or or um in reformations or in different ways that have had a, a remarkable impact for the kingdom of god uh, and seeing people coming to know and, and grow in Christ, every one of those people is an ordinary, uh, they're ordinary people with an extraordinary God. God chose the foolish thing. Aren't you glad? I'm, glad, I'm so glad this verse is in the Bible because, um, yeah, it's in spite of us. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Now, if anybody feels foolish or weak, it's good news. Because God is at work in you, he's, in, he's at work through you, and he wants to have you in the story of the unfolding of his will and his plan and the great things he's doing. Amen? And I do want to quote Hudson Taylor uh, again, James Hudson Taylor. He said, I often think that God must have been looking for someone small enough and weak enough for him to use, and that he found me. A great missionary, a great perhaps hero of, the, of, of more modern days. So why, why not you? We're exploring biblical characters to understand how and why God chose them. We'll seek to serve the Lord as we study them, as we look at them faithfully with humility, obedience and faith. And as we grow in these things, I do believe. And now what we define as great things might look a little bit different to what God understands to be a great thing. You know, for, for one person, achieving something great for God may be different than the eyes of the world. It may not involve loads of money or loads of power or loads of impressive things. We can achieve great things in the small and in the, the everyday. And, and for some people, just overcoming something in their lives which nobody else knows about is God doing a great thing in their lives. Amen? And we will see God do great things in our lives. Now, again... We are going to have a little opportunity for people to try and work out who it is that we're talking about. And I want to be really clear. We do not do this to make anybody, like, frightened <laughs> about, oh, no, 
I, I struggle with these sometimes. I've struggled with some of them, you know, um, in terms of this is just this is just lighthearted. This is really fun. And, and uh, so if you if if you don't get it, that's really fine. I probably wouldn't if I was sat the other side of the microphone this morning. OK, so here's the first clue. This is a sheave. Is that the right word? Or no, no, that would be a collection of them, would it? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a bit of barley. bit of barley. No, bit of barley. Okay, okay, okay. And we're going to go over to a map of somewhere called Moab. So we've got some barley and we've got a map of Moab. Anybody got any ideas? Oh, wait a minute. You're not supposed to guess it yet. Okay. No, brilliant. I love it. Love it. Fantastic. This was going to be the next clue, okay? Now, this is Aberystwyth Town. Now, why would I have Aberystwyth Town as the next clue? Well, there is a cafe at Aberystwyth Town, and it's somebody's kitchen. Does anybody know whose kitchen it is at Aberystwyth Town? Ruth's Kitchen. Uh, I don't think it's the actual roof that we are talking about this morning. I think it's a different Ruth. Um, but we are looking at the character of Ruth this morning. We're going to begin in Ruth and chapter 1. And if you can see it clearly enough and you want to, please read along with me. We love, just, we do this just because, um, well, f- first of all, the Bible tells us not to n- neglect the public reading of Scripture. We think it's really healthy for us to declare the Word of God together. Just, you know, we're not just doing it because some religious thing. We, we, we believe there's power in the Word of God. And so when we declare it together, we're uniting together. Having said that, if you don't want to read it, or if you're unable to read it, there is, that's not a problem whatsoever. So we're going to start in Ruth 1 and chapter 1. There's a few slides here, so let's just stick with me for a few moments. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other named Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. And when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? For I am going to have more for, for am I going to am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. 
Even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons. How are you doing? Hanging in there? I know it's a long reading. We've all gone very quiet. Okay, back in. We're back in on verse 13 now. Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I ask that it would be enlightened to us in a way that helps us to be more like the people that you want us to be today. Amen. Now, the story of Ruth is actually quite difficult to place in the biblical canon. In, uh, in different times, it was placed at a different point in, in terms of where it sort of sits in the, in the library of the Bible. Um, but the Lord has seen fit for this story to be told throughout the generations, and it even has its own book. So Ruth, in some way, when we hear about Ruth, she is respected. Ruth is part of the family line of the Lord Jesus. We're going to get to that a bit later on. Ruth is recited and celebrated, during, particularly during the Jewish festival of Shavuot, And that's actually, well, it was actually a couple of weeks ago. Shavuot is the festival of weeks, and it's linked with the time that we know and we might celebrate and think about as the time of Pentecost. And Shavuot marks God's provision. It's the time of the wheat harvest, and it's a time of provision, uh, which is talked about in uh, in terms of the provision of the Torah to the people of God. God's words given to them to instruct and to enable and to feed them. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it also marks uh, and talks about becoming God's covenant people. Uh, and I actually love the fact that that is linked with Pentecost, uh, that we know now on the other side. Pentecost doesn't mean what we associate with it. Pentecost is about 50 days. That's, what, that's kind of what it means. It just points to 50 days because it's 50 days after something else. So... What we understand as Pentecost um, is actually the hope. Now we know it's the Holy Spirit being sent. Uh, but at the time, it would have been the festival talking about these things. God's provision and the harvest and God's covenant with his people. And what, what better day for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon the church and for the church to have its birth in the Holy Spirit than that time during the festival of Shavuot. Uh, And as with so many of the stories of Scripture, if you flick through the pages of Scripture, time and time again we are talking about stories of redemption. Ruth's is a story of redemption. The reality is that the start of any redemption story, and we love a redemption story, don't we? We love somebody coming from from, from, from here to here and seeing how God's hand has been at work. But in order for there to be a redemption story, there has to be a situation for somebody to be redeemed from. Our own salvation understanding, we we can't begin to receive the salvation that God wants us to receive by faith in him until we've understood the sin that we need to be redeemed from. 
and the darkness and the death that we, can, we need to be redeemed from so that we can be redeemed into the life and the mercy and the, and the, and the spiritual uh, rebirth that God gives us through his son Jesus. So there has to be something to be redeemed from. And the start of Ruth's story is a very, very painful one. But we know, uh, you've heard me say this before, and I've heard other people quote it, uh, and I don't know where I got it from, I can't take the credit, but we know that in order for us to have a testimony, and I've been hearing just in recent weeks some really good testimonies of what God's been doing, but in order for us to have a testimony, there's got to start with a test. A testimony starts with a test. And so that's good news, isn't it? Because how many people are facing some kind of test in their life right now? Just me, only me. Oh, no, no, I can see two. Oh, yes. How many people are facing tests in their lives this morning, this right, right now? Right? Pretty much all of us, if we, if, we, if we think for more than five seconds, will recognize some area of our life where there is a test going on. That test is an opportunity for God to be at work and for you to have a testimony to share. Good news. God is a redeemer. And our mess, the mess that we find ourselves in can become his message that we are able to share. Ruth's life looked ruined. It was in ruins. If we go down a little bit further, Naomi is talking and she says, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which is the same as Mary, same derivative, same, same name. Or Miriam, same again. Call me Mara because the Lord, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. I just want to say I'm not going to go into the theology of whether she uh, has, a, has, an under, uh, has understood that correctly. But her perspective, her, the, the, when we see a passage like this, Naomi is... Uh, Because Naomi is saying this from her perspective does not necessarily mean that the Lord has afflicted her. However, her perspective, what we're reading is that that was definitely her perspective. I'm not going to go to the theology ins and outs of that because I'm not even sure myself. And there are things that we don't know, right? But her life was bitter, and because she believed and understood her life to be under the, the, the rulership and the reign of God, that's the perspective that she was share, saying, my life is very bitter. I, my, my life is in ruins. My life is in tatters. And although it's Naomi saying that, what we see is that Ruth has united herself with Naomi. She's been united her, with her in, by family in marriage, but she has then, despite the ability and the absolutely right opportunity for her to be uh, made free of that oblig- obligation to Naomi, she has decided that she is going to remain united with Naomi. Naomi, and therefore that bitterness and that pain is not just Naomi's, it is Ruth's. She finds herself in the same situation. The fact that, there's, uh, that, that they were, were sharing in the grief of not just the loss of uh, Naomi's husband, but in the loss of the, her sons as well, it was compounded. Ruth was united with Naomi in her grief. She was surrounded by helplessness, and they were in bitter pain. Their lives were entwined. She was completely committed to her. And there are, 
This is not a prophetic understanding. It's just an understanding that, that life is difficult and we live in a broken world. And therefore, there will be people in the room this morning who feel like their life is in ruins. Who feel like their life has, is out of control or something so painful has happened. And I just want to encourage you and let you know this morning that the story hasn't finished for you. This is part of the story. And that in your test, I believe God will be able to bring you through so that there is a testimony. In your mess, the the difficulty you're facing, whatever it may be, that there will be a day when you will look back and you will have a message of what God said or did in your life. And it doesn't feel like it right now, but it is the reality. God is at work in your life. Amen? I don't often do this, but would you just, if you want to, say, God is at work in my life. So Ruth, why, why Ruth? Well, Ruth was illogically faithful. It was illogical for her to be faithful in the situation that she found herself in. Uh, uh, re- repeating what, what we read before, Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I am, going to ha- am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? The only real logical Hope, the only real logical way forward in life for Orpah and for uh, Ruth was to find a new husband. In the culture and in the day and the age in which they lived, to be left on your own as a widow without a husband would have been destitution, helplessness. You would have, you would have been without hope. And the only logical way for these young women to get their lives back on track and to find themselves with hope again and provision would have been for them to go back and find a new husband. And so Orpah, and and we we see Orpah did make the decision eventually after some persuasion from Naomi. Naomi says, "Go, go back to Moab. Go back to your mother's house and, and, and find, in that place you may find a new husband and you may be able to move on and have hope again in your life. And Orpah did nothing wrong in returning and doing that. However, Ruth was totally determined to remain with Naomi and to honor and serve the God of Israel. And I think, I think reading between some of the lines, that what Ruth had realized was that this is the God that she wanted to serve. This is the God that she wanted to live for. And this was Ruth's God. And even though it looked like God had brought their life to tatters, Ruth had realized she was going to stick with Ruth and she was going to stick with the God of Israel. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her to go back. Ruth, the penny dropped eventually. <laughs> Ruth had made it very clear. And Naomi goes, okay, you're coming with me, aren't you? Whatever, whatever I say to you, however much I want you to go and live your life and, and find hope again in, in, your, in your mother's home and, and, and go to that, uh, you are, you're coming with me. And so the penny drops and she accepts it. And so she has illogical faithfulness. And sometimes, and this is what I would believe about a situation like this, God has to give you a specific grace for a specific purpose. 
And I think that God gave Ruth a specific grace to have that illogical faithfulness. And that may, may not be uh, the story in every situation. God does want us to be faithful to him in every way and to follow him faithfully. But is God giving you a grace for an illogical faithfulness in any area of your life? We don't always have it. But when we see that God is showing us something that we should do, then we need to, we need to have illogical faith. Logical faithfulness, illogical ability to say, okay, well, if that's what God is saying, then that's what I am going to do. And it may be different to you than it was for Ruth. God may be asking you to do something very different than he would be asking me to do. Everyone in this room is going to have an individual story, which is why it's so important that we don't just come to church on a Sunday, hear what the pastor says, and live. We have got to be walking and growing and learning with Jesus every single day of our lives, understanding that all that you do, not just on a Sunday morning, not just in your small groups or in prayer meetings, or just when the music worship CD is playing in the car or whatever else, does anyone remember what cds were anyone remember cds yeah some people remember cds and all the young people are laughing great thank you very much because they've seen them on their parents shelves right yes everything we do and every day is an opportunity to grow and learn and we need our indiv- we need to be hearing from god individually god what are you saying to me what is it you want me to do what are you, what are you asking me to do what in this situation and not uh, expecting everybody else to have the same grace as you and the same decisions as you but to say god what is it you are calling me to do because our faithfulness works in partnership with god's faithfulness. And I believe that's what we see in the story of Ruth. God sees Ruth's faithfulness. I mean, he knew this was going to happen, right? God, God knows the end from the beginning. But God sees Ruth's faithfulness. He sees her heart and his faithfulness is poured out in her life and she finds later on her breakthrough. Your Everyday life, you know, I was one. I was at New Wine Cymru conference this week. It was so encouraging. But one of the things, the things that we're realizing, we're having to wake up to, is, is, remember how we used to see missions as something that we sent people to do. That's not the biblical model. We are all on mission, and where you work. Where you are in your home, where you are in your community, where you are in your neighborhood, you are, we are all called to the mission of helping people to understand who Jesus is. Amen? And so we got to every day, Lord, what is it you want me to do to say? Where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do, Lord God? Anyway, back to, I digress, sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry for that digression. <laughs> God's faithfulness works in partnership with our faithfulness. And we see that in the story of Ruth because God was faithfully crafting Ruth's story and providing for her in ways that you wouldn't have expected. But it was God at work. And we know as the story goes on, if you're familiar with the story, Ruth um, goes to basically pick up the waste uh, of of those things. Bringing in the harvest, bringing in the sheaves. I think that reminds some people of a song, but I'm too young to remember it. Bringing in the sheaves from the harvest. And, uh, and she's basically there on the threshing floor uh, and just picking up what's left so that she can help her and Naomi to survive. And as she's uh, doing this, 
Boaz, who's the owner of the, f- uh, 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 owner of the field, asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? And the overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. Now let's not get uh, too um, uh, caught up in this ownership idea. In the culture of the day, Ruth would have been considered to belong to someone. Our times may be different, in some ways better and in some ways worse. But what hasn't changed is this. The Lord is sovereign and he is our provider and he is crafting your story. Because what happens then is Boaz actually says to his harvesters, okay, don't tell her off. In fact, make sure you deliberately leave some good bits. Leave some good, some good grain. Make sure that you leave some of the good stuff so that it's there for her uh, to pick up. God begins to provide. And now for you and I, <laughs> being able to get hold of a few barley or, or wheat uh, sheaves might not be the most exciting thing. But God was providing for Ruth in this story. For you, we need to think, what does this mean for me? Well, I'm sure all of us, most of us, many of us have got stories of how we've been surprised by God's provision in some way. Maybe in a way that we weren't expecting. God has been at work and God will always faithfully provide for us as we seek to follow him. So Ruth was being, her story was being crafted by God. And as part of that story, we see that Ruth was redeemed. Ruth is sent by Naomi uh, to, 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 to Boaz, and I don't fully understand all the instructions or the cultural implications of what was going on here, but he, she was sent to uh, be there uh, when he slept, and when he awoke, he said this, who are you? She says, I am your servant Ruth, and she said, spread the corner of your garment, uh, sorry, I am your servant Ruth, she said, and Boaz says, spread the corner of your garment over me, uh, sorry, She says to Boaz, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Now, for the sake of time, I'm skipping through bits of the story here. But what we need to understand from this is that a kinsman redeemer or a guardian redeemer is one who takes responsibility for a relative in need. And as the story unfolds, we see that Boaz willingly takes Ruth as his wife. Now, it happened to be that there was somebody else who was kind of first in line if they wanted to take on Boaz's property and Boaz's, which would have included, um, sorry, Elimelech's property, which would have included um, Naomi and Ruth and and some land. Um, But as the story unfolds, it becomes clear to that person that, that that wouldn't be their best choice. But Boaz is willing and ready and happy to take Ruth, to take that property and to take within that Ruth as his wife. And then Boaz and Ruth have a son named Obed. And Obed became the grandfather of King David. When we began this series a few weeks ago, King David was the person that I began by speaking about. And uh, for all of his ups and downs, we see the amazing power of God at work in David. And here we find this Moabite woman at the center of the story of what God has done on the earth. 
Ruth uh, 4 and 11, towards the end of the story, uh, when Boaz is making his case and is presenting his desire to uh, take uh, Ruth as his wife, the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Well, well, well. The town of David. The guardian redeemer. The one who took a story of destitution and pain and sorrow and turned it into a story of being at the heart of what God is doing on the earth. An ordinary person who's part of the story of an extraordinary God. The Bible writes you and me into God's beautiful redemption story as well. Throughout the Old Testament, God is redeemer. And in the New Testament, he achieves redemption for every single one of us. Jesus took on human flesh so that he could be our kinsman, one of us, alongside us, and so that he could be our redeemer, which we have remembered and thought about and thanked God for at the table. And now we can see that Ruth is a part of our redemption story. Let's read the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1. Just some of it. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. We'll talk about that another time. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was, say it with me, Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. And we skip down a bunch of verses and we find then, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Ruth is written into our story. And you and I are invited into the story of God's redemption in our lives. BibleStudyTools.com talks about Ruth and says she was a poor widow. She was living in a foreign land away from her birth family. But God saw her as important and his plan for her life culminated in her becoming a part of the lineage of Jesus. Ruth was redeemed. She was saved. Ruth was a Moabite and yet she is in the lineage of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Salvation is available for everybody this morning. Whether you're a Moabite or Israelite, I don't know if we have any Moabites or Israelites in this morning. Whether you're male or female, I know we have got some of those. Whether you're young and old, whether you're a slave, whether you are free, the redemption story is for you as well. And Ruth's story reveals a God whose heart is for our redemption. Ruth was a very ordinary or perhaps would have even considered, been considered less than ordinary person who put her faith and her trust in the God of Israel, our extraordinary God. And God worked in her everyday decisions. We saw that God was at work providing for her just in, in the little ways, but also in her major life-shaping choices. When she said, no, Naomi, I am not going back. I am sticking with you and I'm going to serve the God of Israel. What is God asking you to do? with what you have in your hand today. Ruth had nothing in her hand. 
All she had was the ability to stick to Naomi. That's all she had. We don't know what else they were carrying when they made that journey back from Moab. What is God asking you to do with what you have in your hand today? I believe God wants to be at work in your everyday choices. For our everyday choices to be faithful and godly will mean they have an eternal impact. Even if nobody's writing a book about you yet. Yes, Ruth has a book written about her. But that's not what it's about. It's about faithfulness with what God has placed in your hand. And God chooses you today. He chooses you. No matter how ordinary or less than ordinary you feel, he chooses you. He wants to be at work in your life. He wants to do great things in and through you. Don't rule yourself out because your situation feels or looks hopeless. Don't rule yourself out because you feel like you don't have very much to offer. Don't rule yourself out because of your socioeconomic status. Ruth could have been ruled out on all of those bases. But she wasn't. She became part of our redemption story. Do be faithful with whatever you have in your hand. Do choose to follow the Lord, the God of Israel, whatever it costs you. And if nothing else, do accept your place in Christ's redemption story. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and confess with your mouth that he is Lord. And you shall be saved. And perhaps today is your day to choose to follow the Lord. Perhaps it's something you've never done before. In fact, just for a moment, if you could close your eyes, everybody in the room. We can make sure the camera's not pointing at the room. If there is anybody this morning who does want to make that decision and that choice for the first time, that you've never decided that, yes, Jesus is Lord and I want to follow him, if you've never done that before and you want to make that decision today, we'd love to just help you say a very simple prayer, which is about confessing uh, your sin and your, some of the things from your past that will enable you to be free from those so that you can walk into the freedom that Christ is offering you and the eternal life that he wants you to live in with him as your Lord. Um, so yeah, just while eyes are closed, so there's uh, no problem. If, if there is anybody in the room this morning that wants to do that, Just wave your hand at me or raise your hand quickly so I can acknowledge it and know you want to make make that say that prayer today. And we can begin that journey with you. There's nobody uh, indicating that this morning. That's completely fine. If you do want to talk to me or anybody else about it more fully, we would nothing would give us more joy. And if you're watching online and you want to speak with us, please email us, get in touch with us, let us know that you want to begin to do this. So while our eyes are closed, let us pray. And I just want to give three opportunities. Number one, if you need strength to be faithful with what is in your hand today, in fact, if that is you, just place your hands out in front of you. Say, God, here is what I have in my hand. Give me your strength to be faithful with this. If you are fighting, next category, if you are fighting to choose to follow the Lord today, 
you are battling. Something else is wanting your attention. Some other uh, pathway is open up to you and you are fight, battling with whether or not to choose the Lord. Ruth was offered to go back to Moab, but she chose to serve the Lord. If that's you this morning, just place your hand on your heart. Say, Lord, I'm, I want to follow you. I want you to be front and center of my mind and my life, and I want it to be you that I serve. And finally, if there's anybody here this morning that needs to accept or return to God, to set your heart on him again. Just join in with all of us as we say a prayer together. Almighty God, Yeah, let's repeat this after me, sorry. Almighty God, I want to set my heart on you. I want to be faithful to you and see your faithfulness at work in my life. Lord, I am weak, but in you I am strong. Lord, I feel foolish. But you give me wisdom. Please help me walk in your path. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness towards us. Thank you for being present with us this morning. We don't take it for granted that when we gather together, you meet with us. But we're so grateful to be church family together. And we ask for your strength. So that tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're not just desperate to get back and be encouraged at church. Lord, we are are drawing upon the life of the Holy Spirit for ourselves and walking and growing in our relationship with you. Reading your word so that we can be who you want us to be wherever you have placed us. Amen.